0: 20 minutes past 7 o'clock on a uh, Tuesday morning. Joining us now in our studios is Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Jeff.
1: Uh, uh, A crisp spring break morning. I am happy for um, all of those Northfield School District students and staff and families, you know, uh, we've we've had a nice week so far here. So for those of us who have stayed right here in uh, River City to mm-hmm. spend our spring break, it's it's been nice, but it it has been crisp. So those families who sought warmer temperatures, uh, we're we're happy that they're looking back here and seeing it in the high 30s, low 40s, because it makes them feel good about their decision to <laughs> head to parts. Unknown, but warmer a warmer
0: uh, for sure, boy, it's you know once you get back from spring break, it'll be April and just a couple of months left of the school. we're
1: in the home stretch now. Do you kind of look at that as a home stretch of the school year? well, you know we, we think of every day of the school year as you know just as important or just as valuable mm-hmm. uh as any other one. so a day in October is you know the equivalent of a day in in May, but for all practical purposes, even though I understand that time does not change and know that that time goes in the same cadence regardless of the day when you do get back from spring break and you hit fourth quarter for anyone involved in the school system students families school staff it does feel like time accelerates right mm-hmm. it does feel like it's a sprint uh to the end and you know and this year is going to be something that's it's really just going to feel really great this spring um as long as we don't have any uh you know april or may snowstorms right as prince once sang about but uh the, the fact is that we uh, we've talked with you this year about this being a reset year, right coming out a few years of disruption, uh just societally, how we're getting back to some of the regular cadence of of life and so uh for the first time in a few years, you know we are able to look at this and say, all right we've got some relative certainty about a lot of things uh, coming up in the spring some of those traditional pieces rebooting you know some of those Mm -hmm. kinds of traditional uh, rites of passage of spring in schools and so you know we've already got our spring sports uh, that have started Uh, you know students are looking forward uh, high school students looking forward to prom you know looking forward to obviously uh, graduation in june uh, all the other kinds of field trips and all of the, the different kinds of celebrations and things. We've got Arts a la Carte coming up, one of the quintessential Northfield activities. And so there's just so much to look forward to in this reset year. And just I'm so thrilled for our students, for our families, and for our staff that, you know, we have a... There's only a certain amount of predictability every day in a school, but we have greater predictability than we've had in the last few years. And it's just a true... It's it's wonderful for everyone involved.
0: Let's... Up. Let's go to uh, the 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 serious side here. Uh, there's uh, headlines uh, once again today in uh, well, this is in the Star Tribune, really everywhere in the nation, every newspaper. Six killed in a Nashville uh, grade school shooting. Um, boy, just a tragic, tragic uh, event. Now, I know the school district has gone through uh, exercises and has certain protocols in in place. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those and? Uh, about what the school is doing to keep safe?
1: Yeah, I, I think, first of all, you know, as a dad, this is maddening. Parents should be able to send their children to school and expect that they come home safely. That's a reasonable expectation in the wealthiest and most advanced country in the history of the world. It is maddening that we continue to see this ridiculous kind of thing happening, um, when I do think we, have, as a society, have the tools to try to figure this out. Um, so for, for the parents out there who um, see something like this and feel it in their heart and the worry and the anxiety comes forward, I want you to know I'm right there with you. It's something I, as a superintendent, think about every single day. And it's just disheartening and maddening that in the most advanced country in the history of the world, we can't figure this out. We'll shift now to what do we do to respond to it, and then we'll go to the most important thing, which is about preventing it. So we have a series of protocols in place. Uh, Every school building does have a single point of entry during the school day. It's called a control entry. Uh, We also have a a fairly sophisticated camera system and a lockdown mechanism system, and we know that it works. Uh, Somewhat of a humorous (laughs) example of how it works is we had a substitute administrative assistant at one of our buildings one day, and you have to be but once you get into the office in most of our schools you 're then buzzed into the regular part of the building that 's part of the controlled entry and The substitute administrative assistant went to buzz the first person who was able to go into the building into the building and mistakenly pulled the lockdown alarm and uh, What we know is that you know we test that regularly uh, in a regular testing format several times a year to make sure all of the things work but what I'll tell you is our school resource officer was at school um in literally seconds uh and then everyone realized, oh, this was a false alarm, but um the good news of that false alarm is that it that system does call nine one one police do respond you know immediately so from that perspective of the security systems, we have all of those kinds of things in place, of course, there can be something more um We just recently also had a uh, Homeland Security uh, team visit the school district, and they specifically focused on one building for us this time. But Minnesota Homeland Security can come in. They can analyze your security plans. They can analyze the different things that you are uh, planning to do in an an emergency or crisis situation and give you feedback. And so we just recently had that happen. That was a a really good exercise, and we learned a lot from that. Uh, As you know, we held a, a joint um, training amongst EMS and police from the region at the middle school uh, just a few months ago, and again that kind of drilling that kind of training uh, is so important. Uh, I attended a school security summit back in December, which is where we learned about the homeland security audit, you know if you will, uh, and then that also prompted us in the next few weeks we 'll be uh, launching the Crisis Go app, which is a an app that we 're able to use in a crisis circumstance if if people do need to leave the building, our teachers can. Take attendance so we know exactly where kids are at. Um, when pa- parents can pick up their kids, and they, we can say in the app that yep, they've been picked up. We can send crisis communication to everybody at once, um, knowing it's an important. So all of those things are important. And then, of course, the most important thing is prevention. What we know is the vast majority of these circumstances include um, people who are currently students or or recently graduated students. Yesterday's. Um, does does not fit the exact profile of what we have seen before, which is also part of it. Every time there is one of these, it's, it's different enough from the previous one that forces the experts to take a look at this differently. If people are interested, uh, there's two professors from the Twin Cities who are nationally renowned in this work. It's called the Violence Project. They have studied uh, every mass shooter going back to the 1960s, and they have given some really strong recommendations about how you can try to— uh, prevent these kinds of things from happening if it's uh, again just google the violence project what it comes down to for the best prevention is making sure that children know that the adults in the community care for them and love them and i use that word love intentionally because children need to know that they are valued and loved whether it's by their parents by the neighbor down the block by the people at school we know that when kids trust an adult in their life outside of their family they will tell people these kinds of things. So relationships is the antidote uh, to the vast majority of these horrific things. Um, I, I, I almost feel foolish for saying this anymore, but it still is true. Statistically, school is the safest place for children to be. You can st- st- The stats prove this over and over again. However, as a parent, that can shake us when we keep seeing headlines that are to the contrary. But statistically, I can tell you for sure that school is the safest place for kids to be yet. Though every time we have a headline like this, I understand why people would say, and what's sad, Jeff, how many times have I told you that? I've been superintendent of schools for seven years. How many times have I told you that exact same sentence? Um, Yeah, quite a few. And it just just is a point where... We, we need to keep work. We can't lose hope. We can't lose faith. We have to keep investing in our neighbors. We have to keep investing and in showing people that we value their dignity so that they, they don't get to a point where this is the only option that they feel that they have. And so we've talked enough about this. But um, for the parents listening and for the grandparents listening, please know that you know, we uh, love your children and we prioritize keeping them safe every day and we are doing the things that we are supposed to be doing to try to do that, Um, and we'll continue to do that
0: superintendent uh, matt hillman is with us we're talking about some of the things that are going on with the school let's let's move on uh we've talked about the legislative session as they're crafting an education bill and uh the need for funding and i'm sure you have uh has spent some time uh talking with your local legislators and uh, probably up in saint paul as well what's the latest where are we sitting now as we uh, approach uh, you know easter and spring break and uh, uh last couple of months of the session
1: yeah so the uh The governor and the two bodies in the legislature, the House and Senate, did agree uh, last week on some global budget targets. Now, this is a big deal. You talk to capital observers, this is the earliest that they have had this kind of global agreement in some time. So when it comes to the education target, so a target is the amount of money that a committee has to spend on what it is responsible for. So the education policy and finance committees have been allocated $2.2 billion of the target. For K-12 education, there's an additional $300 million for early childhood education. Of course, we're an E-12 school system, so there's both of those targets. Uh, The target is important because it is what sets what can be spent within that target. I've talked with you many times. Listeners are tired of me hearing about it, which means I'm about halfway there and helping teach people about this. We have a structural problem with the way that uh, the state funds schools. We need a third Minnesota miracle, the first being Wendell Anderson and back in the early 1970s when he shifted Minnesota's school funding system for mostly local property taxes to a larger percentage of the state share. Of course, Stefan Diggs is always the second Minnesota miracle, and then we're hoping that this year is the third Minnesota miracle. What we really need the legislature to do, and anyone who is interested in advocating for this, please simply email me. I will get you the talking points. There isn't quite enough money in the target to be able to do all of the structural fixes that we think would really help school districts in Minnesota. But we need to advocate that out of that target first comes the special education cross subsidy, which would cost about $1.6 million. But remember or billion dollars, I'm sorry, $1.6 billion. And remember, in Norfield, we spend five million dollars a year on that. That would vastly change our financial circumstance. And then the second piece is funding the basic formula at 5% in each year of the biennium and indexing it to inflation. Those two things should be, in my humble but deadly accurate opinion, those two things should be funded first before anything else is considered. That is back pay. That's back pay for 30 years of chronic underfunding. There are some worthy policy considerations that are happening, those discussions happening in St. Paul. Very worthy discussions. However, when we add something new, what I look at is everything that we're talking about with the formula and the special education cross-subsidy is back pay. That's back pay for 30 years of chronic underfunding. Anything new that we are expected to do should adopt a pay-as-you-go strategy. And so if the legislature says school districts, or you should do this, there should be the requisite amount of money also allocated for that. But we need to first fix the reasons we got here. And so that's what we're paying close attention to at the legislature. Late last night, I saw some divisions of that $2.2 billion only from one source so i haven't confirmed it yet and and once we do i'll be happy to talk about that further now do you have an idea
0: of how this is going to impact the northfield schools yet you've been going through budget talks yeah. you're looking at budget uh, cuts uh, coming up in the future any idea how this will impact you uh, going forward
1: so it all depends on how they f- w- where they put the dollars right so if they put dollars on the formula if they if they put the dollars on the special education cross subsidy substantial difference for us long-term. I've shared with people we aren't going to be able to restore any potential reductions for the 23-24 year regardless of what the legislature does because we need to stabilize the budget based upon this long-time chronic underfunding and of course the, the local declining enrollment. This is not just a Northfield problem. This is a structural problem and, and why these dollars are important they will help all of us, but when you see Wyzetta cutting six million dollars, Edina four million dollars, Mankato nine million, Rochester fourteen million, Farmington two million, Lakeville seven million, New Prague four and a half million, you see a very small school district like Dover, Iota cutting seven full time teaching positions, which is massive for them. When that list of districts that I just gave you, if those are the districts that are struggling, this is bigger than any local issue, and it requires a, a statewide fix. But the impact is felt locally as we have talked. We had a, over, Probably I would say over the two sessions, we had about 150 or 175 people attend our open house uh, discussions about our budget in the last week. People understand this. Northfielders are savvy. They get that this is a state problem, but it doesn't lessen the pain of really hard discussions about the kinds of things that we can continue to offer our students. At the end of the day, we are still in a very good position. But if we don't take care of this now, we are not going to be in a good position very soon. Democracy is not a spectator sport, Jeff. We can't just listen to Rich's golden tones about the legislature and Minnesota News Network and listen to uh, the great guests that you have. we got to get involved. We have to call. We have to email. We have to let our legislators know that public education is the biggest priority, and that we need to fix the structural flaws first before we talk about anything else.
0: What, uh, you, you mentioned some open houses where you were uh, listening to some of the concerns of uh, people uh, involved with the, uh, whose kids are involved, uh, family members involved in the school
1: district. What, what did you hear from them? Are, are there some, a few things? What are the takeaways? The, the takeaways are that people understand the circumstance, but it doesn't lessen their frustration. So the top things that we heard concerns about were number one, the original proposal to eliminate middle school activities and replace them with more of a community ed uh, in-house program. Uh, What we heard very clearly from people is the existing middle school activities programs are essential. And while some people do see the value of a community education-based program that would come at a lower cost, the universal feedback we've gotten is raise the fees so that we are able to make sure that we can maintain those middle school activities as is. And we have brought an alternate proposal to the board to do just that. We're going to need people who are listening to step up and help with the angel fund to make sure that no student is turned away because our funds have been, our, our, um, fees have been very reasonable, not even coming close with what you might pay to be part of a private association or something like that. But we're still going to need help Jeff to make sure that people um, are able to uh, afford those things and that no one is turned away. Uh, we're talking about a schedule change at the middle school. That's also generating a lot of discussion more so, I think, because you're you're losing some choice. The elective departments, uh, as they're scheduled for next year, would remain the same. You still have access to you know, things like art and music and STEM and uh, those kinds of things, uh, family consumer science, but there'd just be one less period to be able to take that. Some of that is uh, you know not quite getting there yet about how that would work, more of the details, but those are the things that we've heard the most about. We've also heard quite a bit about um, we have lower registration in our French program at the high school. And so some reduction, not elimination, but some reduction of those uh, opportunities in French. Those are the three things we've heard the most about. We've also heard tremendous frustration that the state hasn't fixed this.
0: Superintendent Hillman is with us. Uh, let's uh, move on into a grant that uh, Northfield yeah. has. Uh, it's called Grow Your Own. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so the Northfield school has received a, a couple of hundred thousand dollar grant a year ago uh, that's called a Grow Your Own grant. And what we know from research is that we would like our teaching staff and our school staff to be more reflective of the diversity in our student body. And across Minnesota, we have very few uh, percentage-wise teachers of color as our student population continues to diversify. So the few hundred thousand dollars that we got uh, from the state allows us to invest in uh, people who are connected to the school district in some way. They could be a graduate. Uh, they could be a person who's working for our school system. They could live within the school district boundaries. Uh, people of color who would like to seek their teaching license, we're able to help with a number of things. some A little bit of tuition reimbursement, a stipend for things like transportation or childcare. There's some coaching and some support in that as well. But the idea of the grant is to be able to make sure that we are able to diversify our teaching staff over time. They're not guaranteed a position with the school district, but it's allowing to invest in our own uh, people of color in our community who desire to get a teaching license to get some help in doing that. And so we did fund five individuals last year in our grant round and, This year, uh, if you uh, Google Northfield School District Teaching Fellows, our latest grant application round is open through, I believe, April 17th. So uh, if you are someone who fits that description and is looking to uh, look at getting into a teaching career, please consider applying.
0: Matt, we are out of time. but Thank you so much for coming in today. Much appreciated. Enjoy the rest of your spring break. Hopefully it's not all work. You got it. Thanks, (laughs) Jeff. All right. Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. It's 739.